0: Thanks now everyone for coming on up, um, mm-hmm. so everybody
1: take a seat yeah, when you Make sure your drinks are filled, and come take a seat. We're, um, sure now, a seat. Because it's we're you Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> thanks very much. My name is Jim Colgan, and this is Erica from Storyful.
2: Thank you for coming. Thanks
1: a lot. So um, we thought while o and is on and while we're in San Francisco, where so many tech startups are based and while so many journalists are in town, we'd have this conversation about how startups and news organizations work together, what are the opportunities and what are the challenges and some of the issues therein. And I want to say a historical
2: thank you to SoundCloud for hosting us. They've been amazing and
3: let's get the panel started.
1: We will, yeah. And um, if anybody knows of any apartments, I've just moved to San <laughs> <laughs> So we really want as much of, the, uh, of you guys to be involved as possible. So um, we're just gonna start it off, but you know, definitely we'll turn to you guys pretty quickly lot of uh, journalists and people from tech here so you know you guys can contribute as much as as we do so I'm just going to let people introduce themselves and, um, and then we'll get going so let me start yeah you go
0: ahead. Uh, hi I'm Anthony DeRosa I'm from Reuters uh, I'm a social media editor um, my job mainly consists of kind of observing what's going on uh, in the news in different parts of the world integrating that into Reuters products, whether it be our website, uh, the different social media platforms that we have. Um, we uh, hired a, a deputy social media editor uh, about six months ago. He's the second person on my team, and I'll be hiring a third person uh, fairly soon. So it's, it's really a combination of Matthew and I and um, our social media desk in Bangalore, which takes over uh, when I'm sleeping. So um, that's about it.
3: Great. I'm David Clinch. I am the editorial director at Storyful. Uh, Our CEO and founder, Mark Little, is here. Storyful was started just over two years ago. We are a social media news agency, or a news agency for the social media age. We, uh, both Mark, myself, and most of the people who work at Storyful, worked in traditional news organizations all our lives and faced the problem of this massive uh, wave of social media content that's out there that is consistently playing a role in the news agenda every day of the week. And there are three fundamental problems that we set out to, to solve for the news industry discovery, how do you find this content? Verification, how do you make sure it's real? How do you make sure that it is what it says it is? And thirdly, access, how do you get to use it or how can you use this social media content? So, Storyful. Was set up with the idea that we started from scratch, with none of the hierarchy or other things that are factors at major and traditional news organisations. And we are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, solving that problem with our news partners, discovering content, verifying it, and getting it ac- getting access to it. So that's what we do, and we'll talk about more of that in a bit.
2: I'm Anjali Milani. I'm the social media editor at Bass Company. And before that, I was the social media editor at the New York Daily News. So I'm right in the middle of discovering all the differences between a daily newspaper and one of the biggest online news, site, news, news sites in the country um, to um, life and the routine and the problems of a magazine, which has a strong digital presence, but also is. Um, representing a much different workflow as well for for the monthly publication. So, um, basically, my job is a little different. It's interesting to see how different all these people with the role of social media editor, how different their jobs really are, um, uh, organization to organization. Um, My job is, um, at the news it was more listening and monitoring and trying to contribute to reporting at Fest Company, I'm finding my job is sort of a more of a hybrid role between a, like a digital editorial strategist who works with, with 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 news partners and with with startups and you know figures out how we're going to incorporate those things in our workflow, but then also a big part of my job is actually being a reporter increasingly. So it's interesting to see how that's affecting my role and the direction of my career, but also increasingly I'm starting to see those dual roles. Um, Creep into other journalists' um, positions at different organizations. So, I think that startups play a really big role in that, and that's a big—it's a big—it's um, a big challenge for challenge for journalists to figure out how to negotiate those dual roles as well. I
1: already said hello. Uh, I should also say I used to work at WMYC Radio in New York for ten years, and then I also worked for um, a tech startup um, after that called Mobile Commons and I've been at SoundCloud for about a month. And as I said, new to San Francisco. Um, so David, if you could start maybe by just yeah. describing some of the dynamic between startups and more established news organizations, and like yep. some of the problems that come up with that, or you know, how Absolutely. you would describe it. Yeah, and we're just
3: gonna sort of kick this off with some you know bullet points here, and then really start a conversation. So be ready with questions and input and anything, because whether you like it or not, we're gonna get you involved. But there there are three sort of concrete mantras at Storyful that we work under. One is the news from the noise, right? That's what we're talking about tonight, is that there's so much noise out there. Not just for us, anybody who works in the web or the news industry, but just for everybody. There's so much noise. There's so much stuff out there. How do you establish what's really meaningful? And that, to me, is something that's not just about the future of news, but that's about the future of information for all of us, you know? And that's why for us as a startup, one of the other mantras is that we've also realized and and take it very, very seriously, the idea that you can't just be a startup and think that you have all of the answers yourself. One of the things that we built into our DNA when we started Storyful is that we would work in partnership with traditional news organizations, like Reuters and others, where we don't come in and say, hey, we're a startup, we've got all your answers, just work with us. We come in and say, you're a big news organization, you have problems, you have pain points, you have issues that you're trying to deal with around this wave of content. Where can we help? And In some cases, the answers are the whole shebang from verification, discovery, all the way up to access. In other cases, it's smaller things. We're going to build apps with you, or help you with your website, or, all of, or st- train you, or strategy. It could be any one of those things, but it's a partnership. And that to me is a really important thing that we're talking about tonight is whether it's SoundCloud, Storyful or any of the startups that really want to make their way. If you're not open to partnerships with the existing major organizations in the area that you're getting into, you're missing the point. I mean, there might be one in a hundred that just swallows up the entire area that you're trying to get into or one in a thousand startups might sort of become the new big company. But in most cases, if you're a startup and you want to do the survive, thrive, and then sell or be successful, you know, Troika that every startup wants to do, you have to build that into your DNA, work with partners. And that's something that we take incredibly seriously, working with both news organizations and some of the largest web companies in the world. So one of the things that I think is really important here is, not talking in the abstract at all, talking completely concretely in the last two weeks. The news agenda in the last two weeks is dominated by a Muhammad video that changed the world even though it had been sitting on YouTube for months and nobody had noticed it. And we can get back to it in a little bit because I want to talk about what role we play and and what the role of verification and context and understanding is about one tiny piece of Pretty crappy content that's sitting on YouTube for months suddenly changes the world. How does that happen? And how does the news industry and the web industry and weird storyful and startups handle that? And then, of course, if you look in the last couple of days, these Romney takes as well. Similarly, sitting on YouTube for months. Why did nobody notice them? Or, you know, why didn't it explode a, a month ago or three months ago? Why did it? What happened? That was a combination of. What's happening on the web and what's happening in traditional news organizations to make that spark? And I think if you just look at those two things alone, and you know, Arab Spring and everything else that we've been involved in in the last two years, and we didn't script it this way, by the way, but it sort of feels like we did two and a half years ago when we started. We didn't know the Arab Spring was going to happen. We didn't know that social media was going to be this important, but it has become so. I think it's really, really interesting, and one of the things we want to talk about tonight is that if you're a startup and you're lean and mean like we are, you're able to get to the heart of that in a way that a large company maybe can't on a scale uh, that they've been able to do with traditional news content and traditional information over the last 10 or 20 years. But as a startup, you cannot handle all of that yourself. And you can't possibly just take this massive wave of content that's out there, and as a startup say, okay, we've got it all here, we've got all your answers here, because people are still consuming their content in relatively traditional ways. They're consuming their content through news organizations, or they're going on the web through social networks, and they're consuming it that way. And you have to find a way, as a startup in this particular area, to plug in to those ways that people are consuming content. And that's something, again, that we take very, very seriously at Storyful. So we get back to a few questions about how all of that works for us and how verification, in particular, and access and ownership. I was speaking at a conference a couple of days ago in Amsterdam where the theme was ownership of media and how ownership is changing. And that's obviously a huge issue as well is, you know, will the traditional news companies still own information and news the way they do right now?
0: Well, I don't know all the answers
3: to that, but all of those are issues that I think we want to talk about tonight, and particularly the way in which this new dynamic between startups and large organizations, news and web, works, and in some cases how it doesn't work.
1: So, Anthony, you're at a large organization. I wonder if you could just describe if there was any resistance to working with you know smaller companies on the outside and, and how you might have internalized um, any of what David's talking about. and. And how you decided to, you know, work with other, other organizations and how that worked out.
0: Yeah, I mean, at first, um, I use Storyful within the immediate uh, group that I work in, the digital team, which consists of maybe uh, 20 to 25 people. Um, and we, we're responsible for running Reuters.com, which is kind of the public-facing commercial side of the company. And then you have the agency side, which is selling news to, you know, New York Times and the Tribune and so on and so forth. And I really saw the value immediately of, uh, of having a service like Storyful monitoring all this social content and looking for the stuff that was relevant to big uh, news stories that were happening at, at any given time. You know, the Arab Spring, uh, the election, uh, you know, a lot of these campaign uh, gaffes and videos and, and just uh, even the ads because people want to know what direction the campaign's going to. What, what are they targeting? Are they targeting uh, the economy? Are they talking about. Uh, health care that's all stuff that we need to report on and and show what shifts are happening um, with the election so we're constantly not only pulling stuff from our traditional sources from our reporters um, looking at what's popping up on social media it brings a whole nother dimension into the reporting that we can do so getting back to your question about resistance um, I think the way that I kind of break through that resistance, and there is sometimes, because they think, well, this is unverified, this is just coming from people who aren't reporters, who aren't going through, you know, the traditional journalism um, methods of finding out if this information true or not. Well, that's what the newsroom's there for, having uh, a service to, to point you in a direction of what's out there and doing some verification, because you guys are, are all, you know – died in the world journals before you came into doing Storyful, you, you spent a lot of time in newsrooms and you understand that you have to kind of vet this stuff before you put it out there. And If, if you're familiar with Storyful, they, they tell you what they know about the video, they clear uh, stuff that they can get um, the, the sources to give them the rights to use it. So that already does a lot of the work for you uh, ahead of time. Obviously you want to do your own verification, you want to go into your newsroom and have them look at stuff. So, being able to tell the newsroom that th- these are these people are, are legit, they, they have a journalism background and and are doing a lot of vetting and verification of it, makes them feel a little bit better. Telling them what the background is of, of the principals at the company, and then just saying, "Listen, use this as a way to inform yourself about what's going on in in the, in the beat that you cover," um, and over time, they kind of you know the wall starts to come down. They start to realize that they're they're finding out about things that they they didn't they may not have been aware of uh, because they're not paying as much attention to social media as I do and people on the digital team do and they start to do better reporting they're able to integrate that into their stories um, they're linking these videos from YouTube and, and photos that are popping up on Flickr that you guys are finding and um, and it starts to become addictive because they they can. They can have uh, a dimension uh, that maybe their competitors don't have. They can add this, uh, this social element that some of the people who also report on the same stories may not have. and It gives them a kind of a leg up or an edge on them. And it's not just the media. The, it's not the, just the photos and the videos, but it's also just um, looking at the people on the ground who are tweeting or posting Facebook messages and saying what's happening directly from where they are and giving people a glimpse into what's happening in real time which they can inform themselves with as well so it, it, a lot of times they can't be in the place uh, where these things are happening and we don't have reporters in the place um, we can find out what's happening on the ground and, and start to follow up on that information
1: and so my I also was on sort of both sides of it too, and uh, you know being at an audio organisation where audio was obviously core to what I was doing too. Um, you know, being and we work with a lot of organisations now, and uh, news organisations now too. And being able to you know come to them and say you know we have or you know they find us anyway. We have a way for you to deal with audio and unlock it with social. You know, connect to your people on social networks and be able to do the things that, you know, from being on the other side, I know are just very hard to do internally and very hard to you know, keep up with the changes and if someone else can do it better. I, you know, I personally saw sometimes it was just a bit of trepidation about doing that, but I'm seeing it happen a lot more now too. I wonder, in, in, from your perspective, if, if you see like a big change now too in, in, that, in that sense in terms of working with startups who can do something that maybe in your organization you know, right. would make sense.
2: I mean, I think two things are happening on one hand, yes, more news organizations obviously are working with third parties and startups and whatever. But interestingly, I'm seeing places including the like fast company where there's sort of a movement to start hiring people to start doing these things ourselves. And I think one of the, so one of the, so it's, it's great that there's so many startups that are doing such a great job of figuring out, identifying the problems, right, in the news industry and then trying to come up with solutions that, a lot of these organizations have not been able to come up with themselves. That's fantastic. but there's um, and I think one of the reasons that for example, storyful has worked is because um, because a it's it's flexible to the different workflows of these different organizations, but also these organizations often don't have physically the the human resource to have somebody go and do that work. They don't have five Anthonys who are up all the time, right? but Beyond that, one there's so much you know, so at the news at Fast Company, these great companies would come with their great useful tool, but there's a there's a problem in the way that they present the tool, which is that they don't take into consideration, okay this tool is great, this cool tool will help you do something you didn't do before, but at this point I think a lot of news organizations realize yeah that's cool I wish we were doing that but we're never going to use the damn thing and the reason is is that the the tool has not the startup hasn't approached the the new hasn't hasn't figured out how that newsroom works before they try to get get that newsroom to adopt their tool and this is um, I think leading to a lot of fatigue among, among a lot of people in newsrooms you know, the next big thing is awesome yet utterly useless because it doesn't fit in with our routine. Now, this is a huge challenge for startups, right? So it's a challenge for news organizations. Yeah, I would love to do that. And it becomes, like, depressing after a while. I'd love to do that, but we're not going to, we are not, we can't get our act together to, like, incorporate this into our routine. But it, on the startup end, I think that it's both a challenge and there's also, if they want to be successful, a responsibility to start figuring out, okay, how do these newsrooms actually work? Because I think there's a I have encountered um, repeatedly the assumptions that all newspapers all daily newspapers work the same way. They don't. The Daily News and the New York Times and Newsday and like whatever, Horse and Hound Daily and wherever, don't work the same way. You know, there's an assumption that magazines work the same way. They don't. Best Company does not operate the same way that a publication of Hearst works, right? So and then on on a micro level, you have some reporters who are really happy using their Google Documents, GChat, Yammer, and their email for all of their communication and, and project management. And then over somewhere else, you have a place where they all use Basecamp religiously, and they all communicate through, um, you know, face-to-face meetings, whatever it is. Like all these places work differently, and the, to- the startups need- and the tools need to be adaptable to those to those workflows. And I think that that's a place yeah. where, where most new startups. I think that's one of the biggest places where they fail, no matter how great the, the tool was or the idea was.
1: So, do you see like the opportunity for partnerships? Like, because obviously they're you know building products and solving problems um, that are there, and you know there's obviously a lot of conversations too. But do, do you see that sort of active partnership happening from your perspective?
2: I think it's happening in pockets and places, and a lot of it depends on personal relationships. A lot of time you'll see. A reporter adapted tool like you have been coaching me through like how I'm going to use SoundCloud right like to do podcasts. But if you're working with me right. You're not working with my whole organization, and I don't even know how to in- inject this tool into my organization in a holistic way right now. So I see it happening in these in these individual places, and then in some cases I see it happening in a more institutional way. But I don't think that. Um, I don't think that, in general, most startups are sort of approaching their clients from that perspective. They're approaching it from, look at this cool tool, look at this cool widget, look at this cool, um, et cetera, yeah. look at this cool thing that will make you have to do more work in order for it to operate, right? I, I Which think they don't want it
3: to do. It's interesting, because I think part of the issue that we're dealing with, and you know, having come from a big news organization at CNN before, and now working the so story, but one of the things that's at issue here is within every large organization there is what I call a, a representative of the social media insurgency within that organization, right? There are the Antonies or Angelis or whoever within the big news organization that's trying to convince everybody else inside. And as a startup, whether it's us or any of the other sort of startups in the space, you come in and you connect with those people and that's great and it's like, wow, the door's open and we're in and we've got this and it's working perfectly. But as you very well said, that doesn't solve the problem of how you scale that within an organization. And to give a concrete example, you know, we have a very well established relationship with ABC News. We've been working with them for two years and we work with Good Morning America and we work with the Evening News and constantly working in complete partnership with them. You know, they're making all the editorial decisions, but we're hand in glove working with them on stories every day where they're getting the benefit of our verification, but they're you know, they are in control of the programme. But in the middle of that, we didn't realize that ABC Radio, who we've never spoken to, was completely dying to use social media content, some of which they were seeing from us every day on this great dashboard of videos and every other kind of social media content. They, They didn't talk to us. We weren't talking to them. So they were doing this ridiculously ad hoc solution of taking the videos and things we have in our dashboard, downloading them, extracting the audio, putting it back up on their radio platform and using it in their radio pieces, which is you know ridiculous. And that's actually one of the ways in which the conversation between SoundCloud and Storyful began and is now going is that there's got to be a better way to do that for social content for radio. But it, it's to your point is that you can be, you, know, you can have you know, all of the answers that you think that you have, you can connect with exactly the right people in a large, large news organization and it, it works really well within that bubble to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But the challenge that we're working on, and I know Anthony's working on, and others with, you know, within that dynamic is, how do you scale that out to the whole larger news organization? Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, for you as a startup, how do you handle working with a huge news organization or a yeah. massive web company like Google or YouTube, which has you know dozens of different groups, and we work with dozens of different groups at Google and YouTube, and in each one, we've got one or two people that we deal with, and then all of a sudden, you're presented with the problem of, okay, now we want to do this across the entire company or organization, yeah. and you haven't prepared yourself for that. So I think that's really an excellent point, and that is where partnership matures, you know, and that's where you, in a sense, and we're sort of at this stage now at Storyful, where you stop being a startup, and you have to re-engineer yourself to be something, whatever the thing is after a startup before you become a large, you know, organization yourself, is you have to work out what your priorities are, and you have to work out exactly how you do scale that kind of a business, because it's not going to be sustainable to just have these sort of points of contact that work very well but never really spread out. You know? And I know I'm sure that's a problem for you guys as well within the company yeah. is that you can sort of carve, and was for me at CNN, you can carve out a group yeah. of people even across departments that get what you're doing. Right. But that doesn't change the nature of the company and it doesn't change the way the yeah. overall news coming. And I one other point that you made very well is social content is incredibly important.
1: But not everybody has really solved the problem of how you use that social content. Yeah. And and I think in terms of the culture like when I was on the other side of a, a news organization, I would look to startups and see the dynamism and, you know, the efficiency and the entrepreneurialism and sort of wish we could incorporate that, you know, culture and element too. And you know, seeing it across news organizations and, you know, I I I wonder if that's a part would help to what what you're talking about too, like making things happen quickly and moving in the same kind of streamlined way, you know, yeah. but, um, I would love to, I w- just wonder if any of this resonates with any of you guys, if anyone wants to, um, respond to anything so far, um, either from a news, news organization or from more technology background, um, jump listen, in, please, <laughs> yeah, feel free. Anyone? But, you know. I mean,
2: I mean, one thing that I would say too is I think another challenge for both journalists and for people um, approaching them from the startup world is that in a lot of organizations, I think especially big ones, the Daily News was not as big as, as Reuters, but I, I even witnessed this there. There are some, in some, on some level, the workflow is very institutionalized throughout the organization. And there's a hierarchy and you can depend that things happen through certain channels all the time and whatever. But there's also these strange pockets in the organization that have their own workflow, right? So, but they, but for your tool to work, that maybe those two parts have to work together, like the editorial side and the photo department or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that you know, most organizations, I don't know, but I think it would be really hard to, and I know that many are trying to do this, but I think it's very hard to map how your organization actually works, and it's even harder for the startup. So I have noticed that there are some people, many of them journalists who, start, who are starting companies, who sort of are starting their companies and have started their companies by just going one by one to potential partners and kind of learning how they work. So a great example of this is Craig Silverman is starting sponge which is um, when, when I first saw it in January it was basically a discovery tool and a sort of like a sort of like a, like a, um, like a like an easy assignment desk. And then as he went and visited newsrooms and talked to me and other people that new, that tool actually evolved into like this flexible, um, like workflow solution for for your newsroom, or even it's almost like a hack, of, you know, hack workflow you can put on top of your broken CMS, right? And <laughs> it can like, it can help to like consolidate just your communication mm-hmm. problems, but it's like customizable, right? And I was really impressed that he spent the whole year going to different organizations, having them finding finding the finding the the whatever the insurgent <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Right. But th- I don't think that word's even relevant anymore. I think yeah. people, this, It's not a, for lack of will that organizations aren't doing this. It's like something else. It's, something more practical, yeah. but um, but I was really impressed that he did that and he iterated and iterated and iterated by learning about lear- reacting to workflow at these different organizations. And yeah. I think that's that makes it a more hopeful product yeah. for him. And, well, really I, for the and I think that
3: the point is, and Anthony can answer to this I think better than anyone, is that what those insurgents have now become or what you have to become is almost an entrepreneur. You know, within your news organization or big web company, whatever you are, you have to sort of build a business, you know, seeking the partners in each department who you can work
0: with. And when Craig uh, introduced me to Splurge, I told him, this is great, I think it's really cool, but how do I get a 3,000, you know, journalist workforce to start using a different tool that they've been using for the past, you know, 15, 20 years? they they already have a, a way that they, they do their jobs and it's tough to get them to go in another direction. So you have to find ways and products that are going to easily plug right into the system that already exists. Or you know you work with APIs. APIs are great because uh, if they're if they're written in the right way that you can integrate them into existing uh, products that you already have and you don't have to have them go over here and do something and. Completely new way. Um, the, the there was a really easy way for us to integrate uh, most of the content with Storyful because you know we have photo editors and we have a video uh, a video desk, which I can say here's here's a, a dashboard where you can go and you can browse through all this uh, this content, this social content, and you can take that video and quickly just drop it into. Uh, the systems that we already have it's it's very easy to do that with photo and video but it's much harder to get uh, a newsroom of journalists to use that dashboard and start to monitor information uh, and integrate that into the reporting and, and use that just to keep themselves informed that's a that's a process that takes a little bit longer because they they're much more um, Tied into a certain workflow that they've that they've used over a long period of time. So I think we
1: have a question over over here. Another hand
0: up? Yeah? Yeah, I, I just had a
1: question. How much do you feel like it's the
0: startup's job to go in and do things like get to the news desk talking to the photo desk? How much are you responsible for solving organizational mm-hmm. issues that are yeah. going on?
1: But and know that you might only get ten users but otherwise the potential rate would be 1, well, well, uh, what do you think first? I mean, well
3: I, I think if you can find a way to
1: bring peace to the world, you know <laughs> 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 and I,
2: and I mean I think if you if you want if you want their money, like then it's kinda your job to figure out how it's gonna work. Honestly. Yeah. You don't know no I mean it's just because these Organizations it's, it's, are pretty beleaguered. It, it's already. a great
3: question, though, because in some ways, I mean, we found ourselves in this situation at sourceful where you can actually end up having a relationship with four or five different departments, all of whom are paying you. And you're thinking to yourself... They really should be talking to each other. Yeah, right. But maybe if they do, we won't get paid by all of them, you know. So it, it, it is, I mean, that's, I'm not kidding, you know. I mean, there, there are definitely, especially on the web, you know, web companies, and by their own admission, you know, they will say, well, we don't talk to those guys, and if they're paying you, good luck to you. You know, we would advise you not to rationalize this relationship because it, it won't be to your benefit. And so there is actually, and I mean, that's not so much on the news organizations, but it's a very good question because... When it works through connecting to the right people, you know, that's great. But even with the right people inside a large news organization or a large web company, YouTube or Google or Twitter or anybody like that, you know, that's a big company. Even one person who is the person who has the role of socializing this kind of stuff within a news organization or a web company cannot necessarily do it all themselves all the time. So I think there's a bit of both. I think you sort of push the doors a little bit sometimes just to see if it'll open, and if it opens, that's great, and you you penetrate into another part of the company. Uh, And I think you also, as you said, if you want to make their money, you take it from wherever it comes from. But I think those things probably will organically sort themselves out over a period of time, probably when somebody higher up (laughs) works out that 10 different people are all paying the same startup, or when... When the news, or, you know, or when the news organization, I mean, in a positive way, when a news organization realizes they have to reorganize their hierarchy internally and their communications process and say, look, this is ridiculous. These We're getting so much value over here from this relationship. We really need to institute it. And that's tough, though. I mean, that's tough. That's when people lose their jobs. You know, that's when big companies have to downsize and change. So it, 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 it's... We can laugh about it, but I mean it's a great question because it, it really reflects the way in which a startup has to learn how to change and a big company learns how to change. And you know, partnerships evolve like that and, and it takes a lot of time.
0: I think you have to go through a period where you use it, use the product, you start to show results and the benefits that came from it, document it, and then use that as a way to sell it to other parts of the organization. We We've uh, used a lot of Storyful's content to do live blogging and our live blogs have, at times when those live blogs are running, they're consistently in the top three or four stories on the entire website for a couple of days sometimes because a lot of times live blogs will go on for, for days and days and days. These are big stories that, you know, think, uh, unrest in, in Libya, Syria, there's stories that have, you know, a lot of legs. And a lot of that's driven by social content. We're pulling in YouTube videos, we're pulling in uh, tweets from the ground from people that are seeing things as they're happening. Uh, I can then say, look at how much attention this got. A lot of it was driven by the social content that we're, we're getting uh, through Storyful. You guys should be using this uh, tool to monitor what's going on. So I think you have, to, you have to prove it by actually using it and then going to other parts of the organization. A few hands up, but Dennis, let you had your hand up for a while. I,
3: I do public well, radio and social media in Philadelphia. What, one of the issues we've always dealt with is um,
1: how to represent uh, the the disparity of the, the diverse voices in Philadelphia when
3: our listenership tracks uh, you know, affluent and older, and and what hoping you guys, can address maybe David or somebody about social media as a way to bridge the digital divide, a way to uh, help um, traditional media organizations sort of reach out to underserved or non-listening uh, uh, audiences. And yeah, how kind of successful you've with that? Or, or well, I have some insight on that. I don't know, that, you know, that's not something. Obviously, we're not a publisher, so we're not in the same business. But as as a verification and curation service and just our savvy within the social media world. One of the things that I, I've been saying in, in recent weeks about that issue is that social media, I and mean, I hate social media, personally, myself, I hate Facebook, I hate Twitter, it's just a bunch of crap, you know, why, would, <laughs> I, first time I looked at Twitter, you know, Chloe Sladen got a lover from Twitter, it came to CNN and said, you need to use Twitter, and I looked at it and said, no way, I hate it, you know, but, you know, what we've done is taken a journalistic approach to curation. And and you know, what Antony was talking about, you know, if you want to go to Egypt right now, I can take you there right now with our curated Twitter list for Egypt. I can take you to San Francisco, I can take you anywhere with our curated Twitter list. And I think that I would sort of reverse engineer that kind of thing that you're talking about by curating the conversations, you know, whether they're on Twitter or Facebook or wherever they are, the ones that are of interest to you are established audience but maybe the others that are outside of that realm and once you've sort of curated them and that's all about the other part of what we're talking about here is it cannot just be your own content you know curation is about pulling in your own content and other available content that's that creates that and that kind of curation can start the conversation and that opinion at least is that that's a way in which you can engage an audience And I've seen some people in the big news organizations do this quite successfully with curation and crowdsourcing efforts where they will identify a story, pull in the community. We talk a lot at Storyful About It. Every story has a community, right? They don't know they're a community necessarily sometimes, but if you can identify the community, curate it, present it, you know, show it, and maybe add some of your own input, your own content, that's a conversation starter. And to me, that probably is a way in which you can sort of penetrate into a new audience because a lot of those audience, I imagine, who are the less served audiences, would be very enthusiastic about the fact that there is even a conversation around those issues. So that would be my personal suggestion.
0: Yeah. I think you have to kind of do what what Mark and, and what David uh, and Erica do is try to find those conversations and get rid of all the noise. I, I mean, I agree with David. Social media, a lot of it is just a lot of noise. and it's If you just go to Twitter and you don't know how to really filter it well, you're just going to get lost in, in all, the, all the updates that are out there. So um, it takes discipline and understanding how to build good lists and using the proper tools to whittle it down to the really important stuff. For those underserved communities out there, you can do it. You really just have to... Um, find the bits of information that are going to lead you to that community. And then you have to be an editor and figure out, how do I build a story around this? How do I make sense of it? How do I put it into context? And, uh, and you just kind of use social media as the starting point. Those are all little elements, little atoms of news that you can plug into a story that you'd write in more of a traditional sense. And I think that would be really attractive to those communities because not only can they read your story that utilizes all those social elements, but they can go and be part of that story and go to, that, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, wherever those conversations are happening, and it's, it just becomes a continuous loop that, that goes on and on and on. I, I would also
1: say what's, um, like all of these terms we've been talking about are you know, so new compared to you know, everything else in news, and, and I, I would just say a willingness to try is sometimes lacking in you know, more established, any organization. So, like, being willing to try and experiment. Because, like, even, you know, I remember crowdsourcing was a term that was, nobody really knew, and um, I remember, like, talking about it, too, It, it where, where I worked, at, and, it, and it was, like, it, it took demonstrating and experimenting before people would buy into it, you know? So, I, that, that, that's sort of what, what I would say, anyway. There, there was, um, yeah, you had a question, and then Marcus, yeah, question, go, question go ahead. Yeah, I mean, feedback is obviously hugely important. And, you know, hopefully you have an opportunity. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. And what's your organization? Oh, CBC Radio. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I I would say absolutely feedback. And
3: that's something that we're, again, you know, trying to, in the small 30 plus, at Storyful, it's hard, you can't staff constantly to be providing the service and getting the feedback and you know it's very tough but we're working on that now consistently because we are getting feedback and we're trying to action some of that and create better systems but I would say the biggest help that a large organization can do in particular people like yourself who already get it they see the value is to look across their own organization and to find you know, well, I a very Irish phrase here, but sort of organized laziness, you know don't don't try and do something that you don't have to do. What is the best way to integrate what you the value that you're seeing into your organization without having to rebuild it you know what what where can you identify the places where you could say, you know what this could plug in to this system that we have it won't take a rebuild you know that it's not you can't in most cases the problem happens when a large news organization turns around and goes, we love what you do, startup, but you need to do all of these, here's 20 things that you need to to do to keep our business. Like, shit, you know, we're a startup. (laughs) We have to spend all this money and this time to build exactly what you want. And meanwhile, there's other companies telling us they want 20 other things, you know, obviously that's going to happen and startups have to have to build. But a better solution to me is when the large news organizations also say, you know what, we'll get there eventually, but here are two or three things that we can concretely do now to integrate your service that we already see value in to larger parts of the organization. And that might be, you know, you, knew, you use iNews or ENPS e- or something like that, and, you know, where can the service plug into that existing... A lot of it is about screen space too, you know, and we've talked about that. You, don't, you can't have too many tools or introduce too many things. So where can it be on my existing workflow and screen? That would be my feeling, is that obviously it's going to be a bit of tension in both directions, but anything uh, somebody like you can bring to that equation that helps the startup penetrate at first and then maybe make the money to build better solutions is gonna be better for both sides than just you need to go off and build it and then come back to us. Because that will happen, but it, it takes a lot of time, and some startups just cannot support that, particularly if it's customized in every case. But a bit of everything, you know? Customization can happen, but it costs money. So, sorry, I didn't mean to dominate there, but I mean, what do you think? That's.
2: I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I mean, the, journal- the journalist or instigator, whatever, his job is not to, like, Make the startup rich, like that's the startup's responsibility. <laughs> but that said, um, if you have, a, if you want to like see this this relationship grow, like you find this tool useful, you think it's good for your organization. I think that a lot, some. This is an uncomfortable topic, but I think journalists who are in those roles or are, like are, make, are putting themselves in that position and and saying yes, we need to use this tool, need to get better at. Understanding the business model of their news organization and being able to make the business case for using that tool. Because everybody, I mean, this is just reality, everyone in the newsroom wants things to go more smoothly. They want to do better journalism. They care about that. But the people who are going to actually at the top make the changes in your newsroom for that tool to be adopted, who are going to mandate things, who are going to spend the money, they need to know that it's going to be worth it, whatever their business model is, if it's subscriptions, or if it's if it's page views, or if it's sponsorships, or if it's whatever. Like, I, the, you, I think journalists need to get better, not just understanding that even, but being able to understand it well enough to present about it, right? To actually know the numbers around it, to do the research, to ask questions, and then in ter- in, from the news organization's um, side, there's a, I think th- th- this can only be enabled when there's more freedom of, of that information in the n- newsroom, and some organizations are better about sharing that with their staff than others.
1: Mark Hewitt. Were... Yeah, I mean, I'm David Carver. the founder of Storybook.
3: And I was very struck by Angela's point earlier on about these very young, and energetic, visually, companies going into newsrooms and fading in the first hurdle because they can't talk journalists. Um, I think Dave and myself have an advantage over all the arts uh, first-age journalists before uh, mobile phones were invented. I remember talking to Ben folks from SoundCloud and being struck by the revolutionary nature of what SoundCloud does because I can remember back to my first story as a foreign correspondent in a block of flats in Holland reporting a plane crash, searching for a rotary phone to back to my So I know the revolutionary power of the technology of the SoundCloud question is this: Anthony and Ashley, your standings. I have done, and David has done, a bunch of boring old parts <laughs> The traditional news organization. If you're saying because you're bringing a technology is going to ruin their jobs so and probably take the job, what's the thing you say to them? Try and get them not just to accept your product, but to also accept your vision. And what's the thing you don't say to them uh, to scare them off?
0: I don't try to overwhelm them uh, at first. I just try to find a problem that they need solved and and attack it from that point. Don't even think about the technology. Don't get into, you know, oh this whiz bang, you know, really cool thing that you're really excited about. Think about their job. Think about what they need to do and help them do their job better. Because at the end of the day, they don't want another thing that they need to do. They they don't care about how cool the, the technology is. They don't care how shiny the, the toy is. They want to know how this thing is going to allow them to do their job better. So the way I attack it with, say, um, with something like Storyful is I, I say, you know, you're trying to do better than the next guy that's, uh, or the next gal that's uh, covering a, a specific uh, topic or story. I can give you a tool that's going to give you information before most other people are going to be able to know about it through people who are experiencing it firsthand on the ground in places where you can't get to. And I'm going I'm to give you access to video and photos that are coming from these people where you may not have a photographer, you may not have a video person. Um, I try to think about not... I wouldn't just give them the dashboard right away. I would start to feed them information based on what I'm seeing. And if I'm feeding them information... Consistently, they're going to be like, "Where are you getting this from? Where are you, where are you finding us all this information?" And then I'll be like, "Well, if you'd like, I can give you access to this tool where you can access all this information yourself." And then after they realize the value of what I'm giving them, they can use it themselves. And it, 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 you just you don't want to come at them too too hard right away. You want to kind of ease them into it. So that that's kind of the way that I, you know, evangelize the newsroom with with these tools. You have to first show them what they're going to, what's the benefit from it and how they're not going to have another thing to add to their plate. What'd you say?
2: I mean, I think I totally agree in a newsroom is just like in any organization, any business, and any whatever. Like, if you want to make a convincing argument, it's really important to figure out what other people's goals are and what motivates them and what their problems are and make it... Make make whatever you're proposing solve that problem for them or be um, in their interests. Um, but beyond that, I think for um, for for me, what has worked often in the past is just being able to quietly hang on to a tool until I found the right time to use it, and then make use that as the as the convincing time. Right. So. Um, and actually, it makes me a little crazy sometimes. Times with certain startups that don't want to give a news organization a trial, right, or just let them use the tool for free for a while or for a low cost. It makes me kind of insane because I can't, I can't, I can't magically produce. This is the news; we don't make it up. So I can't like magically produce the situation that's going to make it, make it possible for me to show how cool this this thing is and how much we should use it and need it. So a great we do. <laughs> Plug. Um, but a great example of, of that I, from, is when, um, we, so we, at the news we were using Scribble Live, we were trying to use it for live reporting and live blogging and, um, and the, the perfect opportunity for us to really like make that a more, more um, sort of more uh, frequently used tool in the newsroom was Hurricane Irene. But that was like months after we started using Scribble Live and when Hurricane Irene came a lot of the newsroom wasn't even. A lot of the newsroom was on vacation. Like you know, we didn't know. Um, how, you know, our, our newsroom was like in the flood zone. So th- there was a lot of things that made it really necessary to use this tool that could make it very easy for people to access. We c- you couldn't easily access our CMS outside of our newsroom. So it was really important to have this tool where reporters could use a tool f- from their phones and um, and uh, and file to the site in real time and whatever. But. The hurricane happened when it was going to happen, and so I think it's really important, also, just to like hang on to that tool, put it in your back pocket, wait for the right opportunity, and then if it requires you staying up for four days, right, in order to to take advantage of the opportunity, do it because it's not going to come that often. And then from the startups' perspective, like give them the time to do it, be patient, because I know it's frustrating. I have been the recipient of that frustration. Like you know, you say you're going to use this, you never do. I have a lot of things I don't use, and I'm sure it's annoying, but. I mean, we don't always have the opportunity to use them or the right opportunity or the convincing opportunity. And journalists have a have, have a resource deficit, too. We can't just spend all our time playing. We wait for the right, you know, when it's going to be worthwhile to use it. Um, that's it. Yeah. But.
1: Cool. There was uh, someone else had their hand up. Some over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, so these are all kind of around the same idea. But I that I'm wondering, in the
2: organization Mm-hmm. Has there
1: been a difference in terms of like leadership in terms of like that's what has made the difference or how has that Yeah. Well, work? that is I will make this the last one I should just yeah. say before we uh we can go up to the terrace and finish drinking. Yeah, so great. Well, I'll be quick. I mean, that's a great
3: question because I'm I'm a big believer in leadership within news organizations, you know, just transforming the way in which companies work and there are some great examples but you know somebody like Jim Roberts at the New York Times right I mean this guy is just phenomenal in the way that he can do a traditional managing editor job at the New York Times but somehow also be this social media animal all the time seems like he's he's I don't think there are many people who are on Twitter as much as I am, but he's probably one of them. And, and, and Anthony as well. But it's, it's, it, that is a huge plus for a startup coming into a news organization to, to work with somebody at the leadership level who gets it, and also really importantly, and Jim has said this to me, the acknowledgement that that they, the big news organization, don't have all the answers. They are trying to solve a lot of problems, not just specific ones around verification and social media content, but the entire future of their organization. That's a huge plus, because if you have somebody at that leadership level who's sort of spreading the word throughout the organization that we need to try lots of different things. We don't know which ones are going to work, but we need to try them, and that's not an option. We're going to try these things. That makes a big difference. It doesn't solve all your problems, though, because <laughs> you still need to engage, and you, know, you worked under great leaders at, at the news and, and others. You know, It doesn't solve all your problems because you still actually have to engage with the different groups within the company and do your persuasion. But it's a lot better than situations that we've also found ourselves in at, at some news organizations where there's no leadership buy-in, you know, and you've managed to make a relationship at one level or another with a social media editor or somebody else and they are just literally fighting a losing battle up that's tough, so it, it, it's definitely helpful when there's a leadership buy-in um, but again I think what, what really is interesting is is that buy-in shouldn't be or or isn't normally just a blanket, like, yep, here's 10 tools, we're going to use them all, and that's the answer to our question. The buy-in that we always look for, from leadership, but also just with any organization that we work with, is partnership. We want to meet them halfway. We want want to know that they are taking the steps towards the future of news, because we've already taken the steps, and if we are working with a news organization or a web company, that just sort of wants to pay for something so it'll solve a problem. And that's it. They don't want to. That, that's it. It's isolated. That's not really a partnership. That's just a service. So the partnership that we love is that the news organizations and the web companies that we work at work with get better all the time at doing the stuff themselves. But that's not taking our business away because there is no end to this business. You know, if if you. Help those companies get better, that's not the end of your business, that's how your business scales. So I think the answer to your question is that it's it's great when there is buy-in from a particular leader or the leadership within a company. But the kind of buy-in that you really look for as a startup is one that is a partnership that sort of organically connects what you're doing with what's happening, the changes that are happening within the big organization. And that's web companies as well as news companies. So, well, yeah and I mean it's a bit of both i mean we we've we've had our most success when leaders within you know ABC or Reuters or New York Times or whoever we work with have opened doors for us you know recognize the value that 's definitely very, very helpful but we've also had the greatest success when we have you know, the door's been open, and we have gone in aggressively then and are connected with the different groups within that company. They may have got an email from their boss saying, You've got to try this storyful thing. But that's only the door opening. You know, that's not the full thing. So, what's worked for us is that when the door opens, we have to be ready. You know, we have to be able to go in, train, persuade, personal relationships. For all of this web stuff and social stuff, it's still business. Personal relationships count for a huge amount. And, you know, Anthony's point about this too is that, you know, he may do a job persuading somebody within Reuters that we're more than just some tool that they've used and they'll get enthusiastic. But if we then establish a personal relationship with them, that's a game changer, you know, and that could be a a show or a particular correspondent or a a boss or whoever it is, that's a game changer because once they know who you are, that changes, whatever
1: your product is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we're uh, ready to probably wrap it up and you can ask any of us any questions after. I also want to point out um, Manolo and Evan and the rest of the St. Cloud team are all around too. And uh, I think we have plenty of beer and we have a terrace upstairs too. So um, thank you for coming and thank you everybody for taking part. And um, so that's it.